welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. One of my favorite uh, series that we do every year is Advent. Um, we call it the Advent Art Series, and so if you've not been to Awaken, over the last four weeks, uh, we've taken each of the words of Advent, hope, joy, love, and peace, and we've invited artists in our community, uh, both, both visual and creative writers, to write and create around these themes. Um, and then we've chosen a word to kind of see the Christmas story through, to tell the Christmas story through, to understand the Christmas story through. Uh, and that word is beginnings for tonight. And so uh, I'm going to invite John Denham and Kaylee Walters to come and share a little bit about the work that they've done. So if you would welcome them. Hello, my name is John Denham. Studio time is often a sacred time and space to create in. So thank you for the opportunity to share the results of this process with you regarding Advent and our word of the day beginnings. The piece I've created is off to my right here, tucked into the trees. The medium I used is fused glass, which is cutting and manipulating sheets, strings, and grains of glass, heating them in a kiln to around 1,500 degrees where the glass becomes a stiff fluid. The title of the piece is Let There Be Light. The first picture you see is a glimpse of the reverse side which transmits its elements to the front, which will be the second picture. It is a reference to the Genesis story, but more than that, the piece is about echoes. Echoes this act of creating light has throughout scripture and into our current lives. One of those echoes is Advent. The first three verses of Genesis say, in the beginning God created, and it states that the earth was formless, empty, shrouded in darkness. Then we have God's strong creative voice calling light into existence. Let there be light. This is picked up in the glass using a background of cosmic red swirls. Then in layers on top is a dark smoky haze followed by a fluid blue and a drippy white, and finally, a sliver of yellow light appearing. Barely visible are the rays from the backside showing through. Scripture moves quickly from talking about physical light to metaphors of light and darkness. It is a creating of something deeper and of new beginnings. Isaiah, speaking to the oppressed Israelite people, living in shadow, says in an echo voice, your light is coming, prophesying about Jesus. We see this in another strong echo voice further out from John in chapter 1 of his book, who says in reference to Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, the light shines in darkness. Then there is the idea of light and shadow tied into the piece. When we see a shadow, we know there is a light being blocked. We also recognize when we are in a shadow, it's dimmer, it's colder. You see in the picture, shadows cast across the glass and the darkness of the frame to represent this. In the creation story, we have an amazing, beautiful darkness, a deep vastness, and then light is created. In Christmas, as in Genesis, there is a deep, creative, and vast beauty. 
we celebrate an echo of that in the birth of Christ, a regenesis of light. Coming into our shadowlands from the source of light on the other side of what obstructs it, there is a new beginning. In the title, Let There Be, is a call into existence. Let there be light. If you change the inflection, it is also a task. There is a labor involved both for us and by us. It is also an absorbing of light, an ah, let there be, like stepping into the warm sunshine. For us today, our echo is our task of calling light into the dark, chaotic places and systems of our divisive, misfunctioning world. We live in an advent womb and call for regenesis, waiting and laboring for the light of love to prevail and taking in its warmth. We live in new beginnings. Merry Christmas, Awaken. Let there be light. Hello, um, I'm Kaylee. And as I was uh, contemplating a few months ago, the piece I wanted to create for this, um, I had been uh, reading a passage, um, Genesis 15, and came across um, this moment I'd read, you know, many, many times, um, but kind of saw it for the first time in a new light. Uh, and so this piece is kind of my reflection um, on that passage. It's called Three Seeds. Abram said, you have given me no children. The word of the Lord came to him, took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. So shall your offspring be. I walk into the midnight blue and tilt my head to study a Brahms heaven. It is tucked around my edges like a hard-wearing blanket, each jeweled sphere a pinprick. If I get close enough, will I see the other side? If I press my hands on either end of the keyhole and lean my body in, eyelashes dragging on the aperture, will I glimpse my deepest desire? I squint into the inky black, strain my eyes, and take in the knotted web, stitched four years and still incomplete. I see waiting, tears, prayers, loneliness. I see a relationship bloom and break, feel the unsaid verity tucked safely between my ribs, lead against every breath. I hear myself asking God why I was given goodness, only to take it away. Planets drop into gaps. The river of the Milky Way brims over, carrying every syllable and silent wish. Is this all Yahweh has for me? I search the firmament for more, hastening to brush just one rotation with my fingertips. My shoulders wrench as I reach. My vision blurs. The pilot light in my chest goes out. Then something begins, a puncture in the night. It advances slowly, alterations nearly impossible to trace. But indeed, their roots thread deeper, the unhurried stalk stretches upward, petals unroll across darkness. I clear a small 
a small patch between constellations, and remove three heavy words from their hiding place. I loved you. I miss you. I push them into the sky. I trim a sliver from my heart, the piece that aches to find home in another, and clip one more that hopes to be a mother, and plant them in the celestial ground. Side by side, they flutter awake. My fears, dreams, pasts, promises. I stand and gaze upon the greater field of seeds left by those who came before me, after. If a single flower can bud here, maybe every story is held in the stars. Out of order, but aflame. Today, I invite you to consider the arrival of a new beginning. Thanks, John and Kaylee. By the way, uh, the work in the gallery in the back as you leave is from the series, so I invite you to look at that on your way out. Uh, the year was 2000. Do you guys remember Y2K? And did anyone buy like extra water bottles and like buy a generator and build a bunker under your house? Uh, we made it, but um, the year was 2000. I was 23 years old, and I had just, uh, I had just finished school, college. Uh, I had just gotten my first job as a junior high youth pastor, and I had just married my then girlfriend, then fiance, and my wife, Laura. Uh, and I was about to quit the first job, the first real job I ever had. Um, I was a youth pastor, and I worked with junior hires. At, I was hired at a, a large church in Denver. Um, maybe you could call it a mega church. And I realized a couple of things in that first sort of vocational experience about myself. One, I'm a raging extrovert. Uh, this comes to no surprise to any of you who know me. But uh, in, in a large setting like that, you were sort of hired to be the professional, and you did the job, and um, you were expected to do the job because you were the professional. And if you had any questions or you needed anything, you could call or ask. But uh, we didn't really have staff meetings. There wasn't really a sense of team or camaraderie. And I learned also that I just desperately need uh, friends and, and uh, a, a common vision to sort of gather around to do hard work. Um, if you know anything about junior hires and adolescents, it can be a very taxing time. And so as I sort of poured myself out into these kids and loved these kids and invested into their lives without having sort of a, a group of people around me, um, in ministry we call this burnout. Uh, it took me 18 months and I was just done, like fried. Uh, and I remember vividly one, one afternoon... Uh, Laura was, I think, in school or at work, and I was sort of hanging over the end of our bed in our one-bedroom apartment on Garrison Avenue in Lakewood, Colorado, and I was just weeping, crying out to God, because I felt like someone had turned out the lights. I felt like everything was ending. I felt like I didn't know which way was up. If you've ever been surfing and you got just hammered by a wave, they call it the washing machine, where literally you get caught in a wave and it just keeps tumbling and turning and you can't figure out which way is up. Uh, it was literally like uh, someone turned out the lights on me. I couldn't keep going in this job that I had because I was dying there. School loans were coming, and I had just married this girl, and uh, at that point in my theological journey, I took the, this idea of providing for my wife and family very, very seriously. I've now come to believe it's a little bit more of a together thing, but at least at that time, it felt like everything was ending. I feel like my life was over. I was dying. And I look back at that moment now, and I see that person hanging on the end of that bed, crying out to God, 
thinking that everything was ending, and I realized as I look back that in that ending was actually a beginning. Um, Earlier you heard the passage of Luke chapter 2. It's the classic Christmas story of the angels coming and announcing good news to all people. Unto you a child is born. I want to invite you today, tonight, as we think about beginnings and we think about Luke 2, is there anything that's beginning for you? Is there an invitation for you to consider what might be ending and what might be beginning? Um, And and, and as I've uh, lived life and read the scriptures, I've realized a few things, that whenever there are beginnings, there's always darkness, and there's always silence, and there's always a presence. So let's think about Luke 2 for just a second, if you will. Uh, What comes right before Luke 2, right? Luke 2, we read it in 2018, but for the people who heard it first, what was going on for them? What was right before Luke 2 was written or penned or the events of Luke 2 actually happened? You could argue that darkness in the form of Roman domination. So for the people who heard this story first, the Israelites, the Jewish people, they were under the thumb of the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire that the world had ever known. They were under the boot of the one at the top. And the prophets even speak of this. We heard one of them, Isaiah. He said, to those who were walking in great darkness, a light has shone. Israel experienced darkness, and the prophets wrote about it, and the people felt it. It's one of those things like, it's like this blanket that covers you. The people of God, Jerusalem, the capital, this nation that was supposed to be a city on a hill was not that at all. Rather, they experienced something far from that. Even the announcement, think about the shepherds, the announcement of the Christmas story comes in the black of night. When new beginnings are happening, there's always darkness. There's always silence. Um, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi is one of the prophets. And the prophets in the Old Testament scriptures, they were the ones who spoke to the people of God on behalf of God. Kids in the room, I don't know if you've ever had like a coach or a teacher who, saw, who sees something great in you and they just keep reminding you. They, they're like they're relentless. They just will not let you forget that there is greatness in you and that you have a future in front of you and you could be amazing. That's a bit what the prophets were doing. They were constantly reminding Israel and telling Israel, this is what God intended. This is who you could be. Malachi, the last prophet, do you guys know how long it had been since Malachi was written when Luke 2 shows up? 400 years of silence. I don't know if you come here tonight and you have like a very active experience of God's voice in your life, but I'm guessing that if you're anything like me, you maybe are in a season or have gone through a season where it just feels very quiet, like you're waiting in silence for something. You keep crying out and yet you hear nothing back. Imagine for these people, 400 years, have you ever waited for something in silence? When, uh, when I was dating Laura in college, <clears throat> There was this really critical moment in a relationship uh, where you either, you either keep going towards love and like committing to this thing or you sort of like cash in the chips and head your separate ways. Do you guys know the moment I'm talking about? So we have this sort of, you know, DTR, define the relationship conversation, and, uh, and I make my, my intentions known. I'm all in. My chips are all in the center, right? Uh, I, I, love this, I love you, Laura, and I want to like, move towards whatever's next for us. 
I make decisions pretty quickly. I don't know if you know this about me. I, some people say I'm a little trigger happy on some things. Uh, my wife is very intentional. And so I say, Laura, I love you. I am all in. I am ready to take the next step. It's just silence. I don't know if it was a couple of days or uh, maybe a couple hours. No, it, it was, I think it was a couple of days. But it just felt like forever and ever and ever where I was waiting and waiting and waiting in silence for this voice, for this response. It felt like death. Luke 2 in the Herald of the Angels to the Shepherds comes after 400 years of silence. And this beginning begins in what must have felt like death, silence, quiet, no response. Like, I don't know if you've been in the North Woods lately when the snow falls and you get out before the sun rises, and there's just that, like, heavy silence. Like, the world has you in a blanket of silence. This beginning begins in darkness and in silence, but pregnant with possibility, like a seed in the ground. And I've come to learn that beginnings begin in silence and in darkness, but also with presence. And here's the irony for us. As humans, when we experience silence or darkness or we have moments in our lives that feel like that, we often ask questions like, where was God when? Or God, where are you now? As if God isn't present or isn't there. And yet, the whole Bible begins with a story that says otherwise. Genesis chapter one, actually, if you would, close your eyes if, if you trust me. Uh, if you don't, you can keep them open, uh, keep an eye on me. But close your eyes and imagine what I'm about to read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the water. You can open your eyes if you will. What we learn about God in the first moments of this book, in the first chapter of this story, is that in the silence, and in the darkness, in the chaos, with all the things swirling around, when something is beginning, God is present, hovering over the darkness and the chaos. Beginnings begin with and in the presence of God, and the scriptures tell that story over and over and over again. And despite what we might be feeling, oh God, where are you now? I want to just remind you tonight that Christmas is a story that says otherwise, that when we say, God, where were you when he got cancer, or where were you when I lost that job, or where were you when we found out this or that about our son or our daughter, or where were you when that thing broke apart? Christmas is a reminder that it's in these moments that God is present, hovering over beginnings, and religious people, unfortunately, they have all kinds of damaging ways they, that they answer this question of, oh God, where are you now? Like, God's causing that, or you caused that, and it's this or that. And I just want to say maybe tonight, for the first time, or as a reminder, that the scriptures tell a story of a God who's present in those moments, saying, Emmanuel, I am here. I was there. I am here with you tonight. For Mary and Joseph, for all of Israel, for all the world, Christmas is a reminder of what happens when things begin. They begin in silence and in darkness and in God's presence. And so it was on that night, in darkness and in silence, the spirit of God hovering in the night sky with two things, invitation and illumination. Come and see 
this thing that God has done, this light that has come into the world. Because this is who God is and this is what God does. So I don't know where you've come from tonight, I don't know why you're here, but I wanna just remind you that this story that we gather around year in and year out, this season that we celebrate of Advent, by the way, the ancients celebrated Advent for a much longer period of time than we did, It wasn't just the four Sundays in in, in December. It was actually after the harvest and after everything was brought in and the ground began to lay fallow and the winter winds began to howl and things began to get cold. They knew and they celebrated the darkness because they knew that it was necessary for new things to be born. Think about all the things that begin in our lives. Human life itself begins in darkness, in a womb, in quiet. Everything that we eat comes from the ground, seeds that are buried beneath this earth's surface, just waiting. That relationship or that job idea, they all come from the same space. So however you come here tonight, I don't know if it's been a season of darkness or a season of quiet, but Christmas is a herald, it's an announcement, it's a reminder. In these spaces, when we think God may be absent, it's actually right here in the midst of this that things are just beginning. And so for you tonight, a question. Is there an invitation to a new beginning? Is there something that the Spirit of God might be hovering over or stirring in your life? And is Advent and this celebration of this story and this Christmas miracle, this birth, a reminder, an invitation to you to trust that that is true, that this is how it works. And of course it is, because this is what God is like. We are not alone. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. The lights have not all gone out. And Christmas, we celebrate, we gather around this story because we need to be reminded of that. And so tonight, as you leave, as you go, wherever it is you go, Maybe an invitation to consider. Is there anything you're being invited to? Anything you're being invited to let go of? An ending so that a new beginning might be coming? Would you trust yourself and your future to this God who is present in these moments? And would you not be afraid of, but sit patiently, trusting that in fact this is where things are beginning? That's my invitation to you and I think one of the invitations of Christmas. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.